Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrooks. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com. 18 plus begambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast from TalkSport with me, Sam Matterface, TalkSport's Chief Football Correspondent, Alex Crook and the former Benfica, West Ham and Chelsea star, Scott Minto. Coming up, we'll focus on Chelsea and find out what to expect for Maurizio Pochettino when he walks through the door at Cobham this weekend. Manchester United's faltering transfer business. Is everyone getting a little bit edgy too early? It's not even July yet. Uh, Who replaces Declan Rice at West Ham United? And will we have a look at Burnley? Well, they've been back in training for quite some time already. It's the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport. Hello, Scott. You okay? I'm very good, mate. I've got two things to say. One, had a really good night last night with you and the Sunday Session boys. Um, It was a lovely night. Um, You were a little bit of a bandit with a dance, but that's okay. (laughs) You didn't like the fact I went after you one time, and then you went after me big time on the killer games. Um, And I nailed you. And I nailed you. You know, you you, you got the others. You corrupted the others to to get me out as well. The other thing I want to say, though, as well is... How much is Crookie sweating right now? Oh, yeah. Why? Why Why are you sweating? It is 40 degrees here in Portugal, so I, I have my defence. But what's your defence, right, for organising a night out with a Sunday crew and not involving the boot room? And not only that, waiting until one of the boot room is not even in the country. We've been talking about doing a combined Sunday night out for two years. Well, if you want the reason why that's happened, it, it was because we knew that you were out of the country <laughs> um, and, and I'd offered to pay the bar bill and there was absolutely no chance that that was going to happen with you around. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, we did it without you. So you were in Portugal. We were out in, uh, in, in London last night. It was pretty good. It was good fun. And, um, you know, it was a, a good time was had by all. Um, is Maurizio Pochettino going to have a good time when he walks into Chelsea? Let's start by taking a look at a man who's starting a very busy summer and a brand new job. Poch is going to start work officially at Chelsea on Saturday. He's losing Koulibaly, Ziyech, Aubameyang, Mendy, Mount. Pulisic has been linked with a move away. Afbilicueta is going to Inter Milan, apparently. Conte's already gone. hudson Adoy's out the door. And Havertz is going to Arsenal. And that's not including Loftus-Cheek and Conor Gallagher, who are also linked with moves away. So what exactly... Is he walking into Scott? Um, so he's still on, he's, he's only got fifty players left in the squad now, is he? <laughs> <laughs> um, what is he walking into? Well, I, I mean, I, I've said many times on Talksport that I believe he should have walked into it at, at the end of last season, and I don't care if he had an zero for four record; he'd have known exactly, you know, when the pressure was really on and, and the chips were down, who would want to, to keep and who would want to. Um, to get it, give away, but look, what, what's he got? He's got he's got a talented squad, Sam. I've said this. He's got a very talented squad that 
if he gets right, and I do think he will get it right, I think pre-season will be very tough. It'll be very full on. Uh, I still think even though there's no real pressure, he will understand a lot of the, the, the psyche and the mentality of these players. I look, we'll, we'll, we'll come, I'm sure we'll come on to the sort of strikers, but we said at, this, um, at the end of last season, the problem has been scoring goals. Nkunku's signed now, and then Nicholas Jackson... <sighs> I think that's a big gamble. If you're relying on him as to be that 20-goal-a-season man, which is what Chelsea have been looking for, what's going to happen with the goalkeeper front? So there's still a lot of work to do, but it's a very, very talented squad, and I genuinely believe he can get it right and be chasing for top four. Uh, it's, Crook was having a little giggle there, I noticed, when you mentioned Nicholas Jackson being the, the, the striker that could get the 20 goals a season that Chelsea desire. Chelsea do have a little bit of an issue with uh, ruining... Uh, any prospect of a of a striker and their career, anyone who might be any good comes in, wears the Chelsea number nine shirt, or plays up front for them and then quickly needs to be put out to pasture. But they've signed two strikers-ish, sort of, half strikers, maybe wide players uh, in, in Kunku and Nicholas Jackson. Let's start with Nkunku, a six-year contract for him, 23 goals in 36 games for the Bundesliga side RB Leipzig last season, 22-22 three was an interrupted season because he had a really injury hit campaign, missed the World Cup because he picked up an injury uh, in the friendly just before the start of it. Nevertheless, his 16 league goals were enough for him to finish as the division's top scorer. He did start off as a winger under Nagelsmann, but Domenico Tedesco and Marco Rosa um, played him very much as a striker. He scored a lot of goals, 35 in 21-22 and 23 in 36 last season in all competitions. But I suppose you're going to throw back at me, Crook. Yeah, and so did Timo Werner. <laughs> you took the words out of my mouth. Listen, I think he's a good player. I think it was almost forgotten about that Chelsea had agreed this deal with everything else that was going on in the previous couple of transfer windows. But it's a big step up. And it's not just Timo Werner. You mentioned Kai Havertz there, who is going to Arsenal and actually listening to Piers Morgan with you on breakfast on uh, Monday morning. He's not convinced that Kai Havertz is, is the man to solve Arsenal's issues. I'm not convinced he is either. I just think there's a danger within Cuckoo that maybe he isn't that out-and-out out number nine. Nicholas Jackson certainly isn't. Obviously, they've still got Lukaku on the books. They're desperately trying to shift him. But I, I think both are gambles in their own way. Are the gambles worth taking, Scott? And if they are, bearing in mind that Nkunku's got a six-year contract and Nicholas Jackson is signing an eight-year deal. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, look, you know, Chelsea, the new owners are going for that sort of, you know, long, long contracts. Um, I get the Nkunku, and that was done uh, some time ago now. And although, yeah, he's not your typical out-and-out number nine, he can play in that role, but he is very versatile. He can play in it, you know, out wide or as a number 10 as well. So therefore, I felt the next one needs to be that out-and-out number nine. And if you can't get a Victor Osman or something like that, you get someone that's similar in that kind of style. So to get another player that you just don't know, he's unproven. And he's had his injury problems as well, Nicholas Jackson. And yeah, OK, he came, came good at the, the end of the La Liga season. But are we relying on, you know, two or three months of, of goal scoring, proven goal scoring? Can you say that over two or three months? I, I think it's a big gamble to, to, to go for both of them. And Kunku, yes. I don't want to say I'm disappointed with the Jackson one. I want to give him a, a chance. And he clearly is a big talent. But we've seen a lot of big talents come to Chelsea and, and struggle. 
So you needed that senior pro, really. They both fit the profile, though, don't they, of young players, young players who at the beginning of their careers who have done something and now Chelsea expect their value to go upwards once they've got them through the door. I mean, the, the deal for Nkunku is about £63 million. If he's a success, he'll be worth a lot more than that. And obviously they've played quite a, a reasonable fee for... Um, Jackson, um, because he's um, he's his release cost was thirty one point seven million pounds, I think, and they and they've released him from that. So it, it represents what they would see to be value. They've gone above the release cost actually because they want to stagger the payments. I think it's, it's slightly north of the, the number that you quoted, as you say, a long term contract. What would concern me about this is, is that even when Bournemouth were looking to sign Nicholas Jackson in January, that was being dressed up to me as a little bit of a gamble, you know, taking a chance on raw potential that maybe you won't see the fruits of straight away, but eventually there'll be a player in there. Uh, I think Chelsea need more of the finished product. If they're to get back into the top four and back competing for honours, they can't really afford to wait for raw potential to flourish. Call me a cynic, right? But how much of this transfer is down to the fact that Nicholas Jackson and a certain Moises Caicedo have the same agent? Hmm. You cynic. Oh, that was a, that's a oh that's a there's a grenade there that you've thrown into the mix. Well, it's it's, it's high, highly possible, but of course uh, there's there's all sorts of shenanigans being played by Manchester United with Moises Caicedo, and I think what will eventually happen is Mason Mount will end up at Manchester United, Caicedo will end up at Chelsea, as you've sort of suggested there. Um, but assuming that Mason Mount does leave the squad in the summer, that will mean out of the 23 man squad that won the Champions League in 2021, that's two years ago. Only Reese James, Ben Chilwell, Thiago Silva and Kepare de Balaga are likely to remain next campaign. Wow. That is some turnaround in double quick time from a team that were champions of Europe and on an upward trajectory just, what, 24 months ago. And, and that smacks to me, Scott, of a, a, a new ownership who are changing too much too quickly trying to fix too much that wasn't actually broken. Yeah, no, look, unfortunately, Cookie, I've got to agree with you here and I don't like doing that. You know that. Um, look, on, on the face of it, I don't really care who's there and how long they are as long as it, you know, it feels like the club's going forwards on the pitch, but clearly it isn't. And the reason that's because of what happened last season, because you're bringing in the amount of players you're bringing in, first of all, in the summer, then in the, the January transfer window, yeah, look, I don't know where to go with this, really. I, I, that, that's rocked you from six, really, hasn't it? I mean, you didn't realise it. It was that uh, much of a changeover. No. And I think I don't think many people do because you look at the squad now and it does look really different. I mean, even in January, I must admit, like, you know, we weren't doing that many Chelsea games, right? Because... We're not doing Chelsea games because Chelsea weren't involved in the matches that really mattered. Until the end of the season, we played Real Madrid. They weren't really involved in the matches that really mattered. So we didn't get to see them that much. And even when we did see them on those sporadic occasions, like when we went, went to Fulham with them, um, when they played Liverpool, uh, <laughs> I think they finished nil-nil uh, later in the in, in the season. I can't even remember yeah. uh, if that was the score yeah. or not. But they were all forgettable matches. You know, uh, the fact is that the players that were on the pitch at the time were unrecognisable from the squad that they had started the season with. You knew it was going to be a period of change. But the pace of change, the amount of change, and the lack of progress subsequent to the change is startling. And I think you lose a lot of people's goodwill very quickly when you do things with the accelerator fully on 
and don't get the results that you think you wanted to in the first Talking place. of being startled, I think you just startled Crookie with that as well. He's just dropped his bottle of beer uh, down the side there. Um, <laughs> do, you want to, do you want to get that and pick it up? <laughs> That's, that's the sun lotion being blown off the table by a much-needed gust of wind, I've got to say. No, that. Sam. Oh, God, it sounds terrible for you. I feel sorry for you. Almost feel sorry for you as much as I feel sorry for Ruben Neves. Yeah, well, at, le- <laughs> at least he hasn't gone topless with us today anyway. that that We would have been f- feeling sorry for everyone. Not yet. Yeah, it's it will coming. be coming, I can see. Look, you're right. And again, I, I want to try and be positive about Chelsea because it's a club that I really, really care for. And I want the new owners to... To, to come in and, and try to take over as seamlessly as possible. But they're going such down a different route that the club have been used to for the past two decades that has been proven to be, you know, very, very successful. It, sometimes the exception to the rule. I get they do what they want to do and they should do what they want to do because they put in a couple and a half billion and, and promised almost another two billion and they've spent 600 million. But let's do it in the right way. Let's make sure... That's happened. Mistakes have been made in that first season. You can't turn the past around. But that really spells out why Chelsea are where they are and really why we don't know what's going to happen with them this season. Because the turnover has been so fast and so vast. And when you get something like that, you literally cannot predict. You don't know what's going to happen. So good luck to, to Mopo. I hope he does well. I think he can chase top four. It's not going to be easy. Um, yeah, not, not going to be easy is probably the understatement of the year when it comes to Chelsea. It certainly isn't going to be the next campaign. The only thing that I think probably goes in their favour is, is that, one, he loves being on the training ground. And two, he's going to have time to be on the training ground because Chelsea are not involved in European football. So there is going to be a few um, less weeks where there's double fixtures. I mean, it will depend on what happens with their FA Cup and League Cup campaigns in terms of congestion, but they will not be playing your 64, 65 games by the time we get uh, to May or June next year. Uh, The Mount deal, Crook and I have talked about this quite a lot on the various shows that we've been doing over the weekend. Um, My impression is, is that they, you know, they will come to an agreement. They're in the middle of thrashing it out. It's all a little bit of a tactic. United are a little bit annoyed that every time they make an offer, it ends up in the paper and that they haven't had a chance to have a proper conversation about it. He obviously clearly wants to go. It's in everyone's best interest now, isn't it, just to get this jo- this this deal over the line? Absolutely, and, and I'm on the same page as you. Obviously, we covered the, the story about Moises Caicedo and, and being on United's radar at the weekend. I'm, I'm sure that is the case, having had that verified by a couple of reliable sources. But they're two different players for a start, and the money you're talking about for Caicedo, Brighton are looking for Declan Rice-type money for Caicedo. We know that United, takeover or no takeover, that the, the finances are going to be relatively tight this summer that they can't afford to spend £100 million on Moises Caicedo. The reason they're attracted to Mason Mount is because they see him as someone who is available for a reasonable price. They feel their offer is reasonable. That £55 million bid remains on the table. They feel that Chelsea are being a little bit unfair when you look at how easy Chelsea have made it for Kovacic to go to Manchester City. They feel like they're almost applying a United tax. I don't think United are going to go too much higher. So Chelsea are going to have to lower their valuation, but they're going to have to do that because Mason Mount isn't going to sign a new contract and it isn't it isn't a united tax it's almost a bit like there is a part of chelsea that i think believe that if they do manage to hold off and 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 force him to stay that they give themselves then 12 months to sort of renegotiate and make him feel loved again and put their arm around him and convince him to stay in the fold the issue they've got scott is that they've messed him around so much and basically peed him off to the point where 
he, he he's had enough. He, he he's like no 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 that's it. I felt disrespected. We gave we all had an opportunity to do this. You didn't do it. As a result of that, it's time to go. And that's a real shame. Legacy wise, right. it's a real I, shame. I, absolutely. I, but I've got I've got my opinion on this. But first of all, why was he messed around? In what way was he messed around? He was not given the same level of contract that Reese James was given or offered the same sort of level of contract that Reese James was offered. And he felt as if he should have been um, dealt with at the same sort of time. But I think what happened was is they gave out some early deals when they first walked in the door. Then they, when they got, by the time they got round to him, Crook, tell me if I'm wrong here, by the time they got round to him, they'd sort of realised that they needed to change their FFP makeup and they needed to change their, their balance sheet slightly. So they offered him a reduced terms. Is that right, Crook? Is that about right? Is that how you understood it? Yeah, but also there's an extra facet to it in that I think when he was first talking about a new deal, when Abramovich was in charge, yeah. the type of money they were talking about was a lot higher than what he was yes. actually eventually offered by the Bowley regime. So there's two right, so- to it. Yeah, and that's obviously, he feels as if the, 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 you know, they have reneged on what was an agreement. Well, well, there's two things there. One, you know, new owners have come in. That wasn't agreed by the previous by the new owner. That was agreed by the previous owner. So things change. As much as he wants that, he's he's got to deal with it. It's the new owner. But he but 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 he also knows his value now. So he knows that at one owner was going to give him this much money, and if the new owner isn't going to get it, give it to him. Then he knows he can go elsewhere. Right. So the, so he's in a good well. Absolutely. Position. So moving on to the to the second point, and um, you know if they have not offered him the same as what they'd offered Reese James, then then I think that's completely wrong and that is very bad management. Look, what, what I hope happens is pretty much what you said just before there, Sam. Manchester United won't want to budge. Chelsea won't want to budge. Um, pre-season goes really well for Mason Mount. He understands that what, what Pochettino, uh, Pochettino's side is like. Pochettino shows his love for him. He's able to then now for, because they've got rid of, 15, 20, 60, 80 players, they're eight FFP, they're actually okay again, and they can go back to how it was. You know, sometimes, and, and that's a lot of ifs, but sometimes if that does all happen, you've got to drop the ego. And and if you really do love the club, and if you really do like playing under Pochettino, and you really do like living in London, then drop that ego of what happened in the past, because that's in the past. If you just made your mind up now and say, do you know what? I fancy playing for Man U, massive club, and I want to. I believe in the project there. Then it's not going to change. And whether he stays one more year or not, he's a United player. It's just a question of when, not if. Okay. Um, well, it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. I mean, I've had a sort of running battle with a couple of people, even at TalkSport, who are suggesting that they, the Manchester United said don't want Mason Mount in their team, which I just do not understand. Uh, I had a bet uh, with. Um, I bet with, I bet with uh, Tony Afoki, I think. Uh, he would be at some stage over the next three years, if he goes to Manchester United, their player of the year, at least once in the next three years. Bold prediction. But anyway, we'll see what happens. Uh, let's get to Manchester United now, shall we? Crook's beloved team, as we look at their possible challenges as they go into the new season. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. 
Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply. We'll talk West Ham and Declan Rice in a few minutes and who's going to replace him in central midfield as he gets closer to a move to Arsenal. But what about Crook's beloved Manchester United? Uh, second season in charge for the little ball genius, as he calls him. Um, he made it clear at the end of the season, Crook, that he expected Manchester United to strengthen this summer and use their muscle. The club knows if you want to play top four and compete for trophies in this league, then you have to invest. That's what he told the reporters at the end of last season. Otherwise, you don't have a chance because other clubs will. We've seen it in the winter. All the clubs around us made huge investments. We didn't, but we still made it. So I am proud of my team, but we need to go again. Well, he's spot on. And uh, I mean, you mentioned at the top of this podcast, actually, we're not even in July yet. Maybe some people are panicking too early. Uh, I have been told that he's starting Ten Hag to get a little bit frustrated. I think he thought maybe the Mount deal uh, would be done by now. But in order to really facilitate this rebuild, they've got to get players off the wage bill. And that's going to be a lot more difficult maybe than people imagine when you look at Harry Maguire, Scott McTominay, uh, Fred, all players that they're willing to, to listen to offers for, but they have a valuation. And we mentioned it before, Manchester United in the last four or five years, maybe longer, have been really poor sellers. They've struggled even to get people like Phil Jones off the wage bill. They had to wait for his contract to run out, which was quite an embarrassing situation uh, on both sides. So unless they do um, manage to, to move players on at the moment, the, the word from the Maguire camp seems to be he's quite happy to stay and fight for his place because he knows he's going to have to take a significant pay cut uh, to move to another Premier League team or even to go to Serie A, which I'm told is a viable option for him. At the moment, they're struggling to get those players off the wage bill. So I don't think United are going to spend mega, mega money. That's why they are haggling over what is effectively a couple of million quid for Mason Mount. Looks like a goalkeeper now is becoming a priority because David De Gea, despite the fact he reached a verbal agreement some time ago, still hasn't put pen to paper on a new contract. There's definitely been talks with Inter about Andre Anana. I think that would be a, a big step up, but that's going to cost you 50 million quid that maybe Ten Hag in an ideal world would spend on a new number nine. They're not going to get Harry Kane. Aussie men is too expensive. Even the lad Hoyland, I think, is going to cost a lot more money than Manchester United originally anticipated. So once again, you've got a manager who is going to have to be quite creative in this transfer window. He isn't necessarily going to be able to go pound for pound, even with the likes of Chelsea. It is quite fascinating, isn't it? Because if you're heading into a new season, I think the positions that Manchester United would like to strengthen in an ideal world is probably goalkeeper, centre-back because Varane's not going to stay fit forever and you obviously yeah. clearly have seen over the course of the last um, year that Maguire is someone who Ten Hag has lost a little bit of faith and he's not playing him very regularly. Um, 
they want to obviously strengthen in central midfield, which is why they've been linked with, with Mason Mount. And they would like that that central striker. If you are to strengthen all those positions down the spine of the team, they're going to, it's going to cost you in excess of £250 million, realistically. They clearly haven't got £250 million after what they spent last summer. And in, 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 with no sign of the takeover being finished, the Glazers aren't going to release that sort of budget. So Eric Ten Hag is almost trading his way into a situation where he can spend money on those particular positions. Now, you mentioned the Inanna thing. Okay, that sounds all well and good. If David De Gea doesn't sign a contract, well, we should probably try and sign Inanna. But realistically, out of all of those positions that Manchester United really need to strengthen... Is that where you're going to spend your 45, 50 million pounds, no, Scott? Absolutely not, Sam. And I mean, I find it ridiculous. And, and look, I, I'm not um, quite as vociferous as Crookie and a lot of well, most of the Man U fans to be an anti Glazers. But if they just keep on kicking the, the can down the road in terms of, you know, missing out on having really going for it, I think Man U, with what Ten Hag, the little ball genius, has done in his first season, has given a really good platform to kick on. And I had a word with, with you know, back and forth at Adrian Durham at the West Ham Man U game. And I said, look, last season, this time last season, he didn't know his players and he had the Ronaldo issue to deal with. Now he knows his players and there's no Ronaldo issue. Give him what he needs. And this is Manchester United Football Club we're talking about. You know, I don't think they're a million miles away from, from being title contenders if they get what you're saying that they need. Now, I think number one, striker. You know, stick the ball in the back of the net. That's your number one priority. I personally think... That was their problem in terms of statistically last year. They didn't score as many goals as yeah, those teams around yeah. them in the top. And, and, you know, they haven't got that 20-goal-a-season, that Harry Kane. So that would be my number one... Pro- well, they have a, I have a guy who scored 30 goals last season in Marcus Rashford. But... I suppose the point is, is that Marcus Rashford scored those goals from a slightly different position. And it's not something that Marcus Rashford has done with regularity. He will always score you goals, but is he going to be that 30-goal striker that can play down the middle? Maybe, maybe the LBG has decided that that could be the route and he can save a bit of cash as a result and find no, other players no, to play in different no, positions. I'm sorry, you cannot rely on Marcus Rashford to score that amount of goals that he did last season, next season. I know he signed the new contract, doesn't work like that. He, he, he's he's a streaky player, and he listen. He's a wonderful player, and he's bordering on world class when when he's when he's in consistent form. But it's not over the whole season. I, I haven't got the stats in front of me, but I'm pretty sure his goals came in a, a sort of like a patch, and then and then they didn't. And you need well, twenty. Of yeah, and you need to rely on someone as world. that number nine who can be that goal scorer. So that would be my number one. Number two, personally, it would be I would I would be actually going for Declan Rice rather than Mason Mount. I, I think that's the type of driving midfielder, almost the Roy Keane type midfielder that I think United needs. They do need a backup centre half, and then when you talk about the goalkeeper, you're right. I, I honestly think that's sort of fourth priority. So what I would you talk about being creative? What I would sort of do is because let's face it, the Hay is what is he three seven five a week, something like that. Give him a one year contract on the same money that he's been on which kicks the can down the road in terms of in a year time that the, 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 the takeover should be sorted. That's what I would do because goalkeeper is not the priority at the moment. I don't think he is the goalkeeper. I think quite early he knew he wouldn't be the goalkeeper that he'd want because he can't play with his feet, but that's not your number one priority. 
it's interesting when you talk about Declan Rice, there has been talk of a, a player plus cash deal for Declan Rice. So that probably, you know, knowing the Glazers negotiating tactics, that'd be 10 million quid. Harry Maguire, Scott McTominay, <laughs> Arthur Alberston, William Prunier, David Bellion. I mean, it's just not going to happen, is it? De- Declan Rice to United isn't going to happen. Right, it is decision time for Declan Rice. Uh, two of Arsenal's bids have already been rejected and there's this sort of talk about Manchester City and there is a lot of paper talk about it, Crook. And I, I don't know, call me a sceptical uh, old fool, but I just got this sort of feeling that Bayern Munich pulled out of the race almost as soon as they'd entered it because mm-hmm. they knew that Declan Rice had shown a preference already to go to Arsenal. Now, yeah. Some might say, well, actually, you know, he's probably shown a preference to stay in England. He wants to play in the Premier League and he wants to stay on Gareth's radar. So therefore, he might not want to go to the Bundesliga, might not be suited to him. He's not that kind of guy. He's not in that much, whatever. But unless he has indicated that he might be interested to go to Manchester City, which I can't see because I don't think logically he fits into the team on a regular basis. And I don't think he want the fight that Calvin Phillips has had. Um I'm not sure there is or has been that much concrete interest from Manchester City. Has there? Well, there was a story floating around at the weekend um, from one prominent overseas journalist suggesting that Declan Rice to Manchester City was pretty much nailed on. I made some inquiries and the feedback I got was that it couldn't be nailed on because City haven't even made an offer. Mm -hmm. And as we sit here on Monday afternoon, I believe that's still the case. Uh, I believe conversations have taken place between Man City and West Ham, they've been given the same sort of price as Arsenal. But the caveat is Declan wants to move to Arsenal. He's impressed with what Mikel Arteta has done. He knows the role that he'll have in the team there. Part of me thinks he looks at Calvin Phillips, England teammate, and I'm not comparing the two because I think Rice is a far better footballer. But you look at how his Man City career has gone or rather hasn't gone. And and maybe he just thinks at this moment in time, he goes to Arsenal, he's guaranteed to to not only be in the team, he might even be Arsenal captain. Who knows? I'm sure Erdogan would have something to say about that. But I think the only way that Declan Rice ends up at City is if Arsenal withdraw their interest and refuse to meet the asking price that West Ham have set. If Arsenal pay it, I think he goes to Arsenal. If they don't, then I think he will have a decision to make and then maybe City will make a formal bid. But if City had been given any encouragement that Rice wanted to go there ahead of Arsenal, that bid would be on the table already, in my opinion. And also, it'd be negligent on Arsenal's um, point because they, they've known about the interest from Declan Rice in coming to their project for a long time. They could have got the deal done. And for the sake of £10-15 million, pounds, when you're talking about the kind of player who's 24 years of age and is going to be part of your team for the next four, six or seven years, that isn't really worth scuppering the deal and handing him to your biggest rivals. Yeah, but time. Sam, you say that. If they'd have gone in straight away with 100 or even 110, do you not think that David Sullivan would pick up the phone to Manchester City and say no. that they've just bid that? Do you want to match it? I, I totally agree. I'm not I'm not suggesting for one minute that they should rush it and put themselves in a bad negotiating position. I, I do think actually West uh, uh, Arsenal are in a very good negotiating position because they know that Declan wants to go to Arsenal. So they are biding their time a little bit. They have to be very careful, but they are biding their time to ensure that they don't overpay, as you've suggested, for him. I think what's really interesting is, is that West Ham United obviously are going to have to replace Declan Rice because he's been a big part of the team for a long time. And they need to replace him, not only in terms of 
his position on the field, but his influence in the dressing room, the way he is around the club, they need to find another figure to be their leader. There's lots to talk about who could replace him. João Polinia, the Portuguese at Fulham, has been linked for a little while now. Uh, Edson Alvarez of um, Ajax, who's uh, been tempted with a move to the Premier League before. James Ward-Prowse, who's going to be 28, he wants to move this summer. Is he someone that maybe, I mean, oh, Crook, he's, he's one of your golfing buddies. Is he someone that might move to the London Stadium? Only if Southampton dramatically reduced their asking price. I'm told they're looking for more than £50 million. That's just not realistic for a, <laughs> for a relegated club in, into the championship. And, you know, for a player, as you say, who's not the veteran stage of his career, but he's not a youngster, James Ward-Prowse. You might argue he's at the peak of his powers uh, or coming into them. I, I think if that happens... It will probably happen after the season starts. I can see a scenario where James Ward-Prowse starts the championship season captaining Southampton and then probably moves between then and the end of the window. But if West Ham have got 100 million quid in the back of their pocket, right, burning a hole in the back of their pocket, and they need to replace Declan Rice before the season starts, especially because they themselves have got Europa League football to play as well. They don't want to be wasting any time. Why are they going to wait around for a very expensive player who's 28 when they could probably spend around the same on someone like Yusuf Fafana, who plays at Monaco and has just broken into the French uh, squad. Edison Alvarez, another one that we've already mentioned. There are other players that are around that they may well turn to if they can't get the right price for James Ward-Prowse. And he will then end up being, I'm not just saying that West Ham is the only option, there is a, the, the danger for him that he ends up getting priced out of a move that he would want and ends up playing his football next season in the Championship. Yeah, I think that's a big concern. Uh, Alvarez, by the way, I think Borussia Dortmund's interest is is a, a real issue for West Ham. Paulinha, I mean, if you get if you're going to spend sixty million pounds, yeah, you'd spend it on Paulinha and not. And James he's get, he's going to cost. Well, the, the, there's also Amadou Anano who's being um, linked as well, isn't there? Um, but but look, you know, yes, but, this morning the that Prince, was, yeah. he might get a bigger club. I okay, think. fair enough. Um, West Ham is a big club. They they've just won a European trophy. Are you saying big? Are you saying West Ham? Not They're massive. Apple, Apple, I, still, I could still see Anana at Chelsea, at Liverpool, maybe even a Manchester. We'll, we'll see. He's not going to go to Liverpool from Everton, is he? We'll see. We'll see. But but the, 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 the point caliber. the point I'm trying to make here is that you say that about James Ward-Prowse, and you're right. But that's the same for all the other players who are at their own clubs. It kind of depends on the owners there about how much they want to play ball, and it, it, it's just an act. But that's an unrealistic price tag. Well, that's an unrealistic price tag. The reason we said that is because that that fifty million for James no, is not, it, does not represent value in the market. You will just yeah, pivot but we don't and go know what else. other clubs will value their players for. We, we, we do know if that's the case for James Ward-Prowse and Crookie would know. Then that's completely over the top. And Sam, I think you and I are working on the first game of the season, Sheffield Wednesday Southampton. So it'd be interesting to see whether. Um, you know, we'll still be in a, a Saints shirt then. I wouldn't be surprised if he is and then Southampton just have to drop. But just in terms of the buying clubs, also I can say from a playing point of view, there's nothing better. The perfect time is to have a bit of time in pre-season to get to know the players both on and off the pitch so that once the season starts, you're, you're, you're hitting the ground running, as it were, rather than going on transfer deadline day and suddenly it's bang, you're straight in. The season's already started. Maybe it hasn't started well. The pressure's on you immediately. Things like that are worth paying an extra few million for just to make sure these new players bed in and have the right circumstances. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. Uh, keep an eye on Stegen Spearings and Tom Krause. 
uh, two players that are also uh, likely to be on the move uh, this summer. Um, James Madison, has he got a free run at Tottenham now, really? Because Newcastle, I think, probably going to pivot and go elsewhere. Um, I mean, I did see some report this morning that Gary Shaw was encouraging Aston Villa to bid for him, but ultimately, he's Tottenham's to lose. That doesn't mean they won't lose him because it's Tottenham, um, but he's Tottenham's to lose. They managed to lose quite a lot last season, Tottenham. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> I see where you're coming from on that point. Interestingly, I was told only about an hour ago that um, Leicester, who themselves were asking for big money uh, for Madison, 50 million plus 10 million pounds in add-ons, they, they might be looking to lower their asking price. I think part of the reason for that is that uh, Tenali and his pending move to Newcastle has spooked them a little bit because we've all talked about the fact that Newcastle aren't going to spend as much money uh, as maybe we expect them to. That's a huge chunk of their budget that's gone on Tenali. They're not going to pay £60 million for James Madison. I'm not even sure they pay £40 million for James Madison. So it'll be interesting to see how big the final price tag is. I've mentioned to you, Sam, I've mentioned it on air. I've always been told, despite rumours to the contrary, that Madison's preferred move is to London, therefore Tottenham, over Newcastle. If I'm a gambling man, I still think Spurs is, is, is his most likely destination. Villa is interesting, though. They've got a new sporting director, Monchi. Yeah. They're going to back Unai Emery this window. I think that would be a tremendous signing if they did fancy joining the race. They just seem to have a lot of players that play in that position. It's very difficult to sort of get. But then, listen, he could be reshaping the squad and maybe some of those might move on during this, this, this the course of, of this window. Anything else that you're hearing that you need to update us on over the last hour? I know that you've, uh, you're on a, a family holiday, but you've been boring everybody by sitting in the corner and playing on your phone. <laughs> I've tried to escape it where possible, but uh, it hasn't been possible because there's, there's so much to be done. Uh, so many teams with new managers, Postacoglu at Spurs, Bournemouth uh, have got a new manager since we last spoke. I don't know how much you guys have been able to touch on that, but I think we they're going to be very active. Yeah. Yeah, they're yeah, going to be very active as, as, as well. Bill Foley said as much to Jim White this morning. So this is going to be a really competitive window. Um, apart from, it seems, the newly promoted clubs, because they are the, the, the sort of poor relations. And I think it's going to be really difficult, probably for any of those newly promoted teams and I'll include Burnley and I'll get hammered again having predicted they'll end up in League One and they made me look foolish and you Sam as well but I just don't see how those three teams in particular are going to bridge the gap to the well, rest of the table that is a real what problem. Everton do because I think they've got to get players off the wage bill before they can really bring Sean Dyche type players yeah, in yeah I mean, I mean I mean going off the bat if we were doing predictions now about teams that were going to be relegated I would be going Sheffield United Luton Town Everton they'll be down there um, the reasons I would go for that was because if you're thinking at, at, at Sheffield United that they haven't got their takeover hasn't gone through. That's twice now they've sort of agreed to sell the club and it hasn't happened. So Paul Heckingbottom is cutting his cloth accordingly. There is money, I suppose, from the from the Premier League coffers that they get by going up. But the, the, what's coming at the mood music that's coming out is that he's not he's going to have to coach his way through this. It's going to be very difficult. And they've been linked with selling Iliman Njai to Everton actually. Um, so they were that interested is a, before. It's a very interesting uh, turn of events if they lose him and then can't replace him with someone of similar sort of quality. Luton Town, obviously, you know, again, a club that are going to cut their cloth accordingly. They're not going to spend loads of money, so they're going to they're going to be in and around there. They may well surprise everybody and stay up because they've got a very good manager who who's who seems to be able to, to cultivate something out of not very much. So there's every chance that they could cause a surprise. Uh, but Burnley, I think, slightly different. They are a very well-coached team. Vincent Company's done a very good job. 
They've been linked with Kyogo Furuhashi of Celtic. They're stepping up their interest in a new goalkeeper from Royal Antwerp in Jean Boutet. Um, so there's every chance that they might upgrade their squad just a little bit. And with with his history of what he did last season, you, we wouldn't put it past him having a reasonable campaign next campaign, Scott. They've been back yeah, in season for a little while. Do you know what? I'd probably go with those same three that you mentioned, Sam, if I have to say it now. And it's, it's obviously a long way, one, to the start of the season, but also two, to the end of the transfer window being closed. And then we can really give our our thoughts. And then we'll only change about 50 times and then to the end of the season. Yeah, we'll change 50 times. Crooks <laughs> will change 250. So, I mean, last season was special, wasn't it? I mean, OK, you know, when you think about where we were in the March international break, where there were nine teams that could possibly go down, we, we you know, Arsenal were ahead of City and the fight for fourth... Okay, it didn't quite end like that, but it was still a very special season where you had no idea what was happening, and week by week there were some fantastic results. And, and Nottingham Forest, Forest stayed up, and I'm pleased for them and for you even more so, Sam, because I know it meant more to you than it did to Steve Cooper. So well done. Um, it really. Did. But 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 honestly, <laughs> I, I think Luton is just a fairy tale story. How they get, how they will stay up, I don't know. I said it's something similar to Bournemouth last year, but this would be even more incredible with the story that we, you know, we know about. Sheffield United, as you've explained, I think Paul Heckenbottom, amazing job to get them to second place last year. I can't see them as it stands staying up. We're hoping to get him on next week. We'll see if he he does that now after I say that. And and Everton's just a struggling club, isn't it? That I don't see changing in any way. So because what Vincent Company has done. And because what he is and I, the players that I think he can bring in, you know, he's not going to sign a new contract if the owners didn't say we will give everything we can in our power to try and help you stay up. So coupled with that, plus his coaching ability, I think he might just keep them up. Yeah, well, we never know, um, but we will follow it over the course of the season and over the course of the summer. That is it from us. Uh, we'll be back every Monday throughout the season and throughout the close season uh, with the latest uh, transfer news managerial changes and more Alex thank you very much enjoy the rest of your holiday <laughs> I'm off to the pool right now good and uh, Scott uh, right I'm going to go and have a week. bath then or something to man, pretend I'm in the pool in uh, in the Algarve with Crookie I'll, I, I will do the Sagresh with you oh he's even got the little uh, Portuguese pronunciation of Sagresh um, he's muito bem, muito bem. Fales português agora? Oh, Scott, stop showing off. Uh, we'll see you next week. <laughs> uh, this is the Game Day Podcast from TalkSport. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Labrooks. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.